It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. So welcome everybody to Europe Calling and in particular we're talking football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy and today's date is the 15th of February 2024. Welcome to the podcast. Now our weather this morning is a little bit mixed, Uh, probably the reason being there's a cold front coming in. Uh, from one direction and apparently we're going to get some of the Saharan dust coming up from Morocco later in the day so that probably means uh, more rain more mess and it's a bit annoying but you know you, you it is what it is let me go due west I'm round about an hour sensible driving uh, I should find Rob Daniels good morning to you Rob yeah hi Vince hi everybody um, yeah the weather down here is very similar actually Vince it's um it's a bit dull and overcast, but um, we are expecting some rain um, later on. And, uh, well, we're middle of February, so you can't really complain, can you? No, we can't. Well, look, uh, rather than complain, we're going to go straight to what's been happening in midweek uh, because uh, you've got the Champions League and a lot of games in the Championship which is very important because that is looking at who will be coming up into the Premier League uh, from the top three in that particular division. But a little bit later, we're going to talk about some really interesting things. We always find you something different. Football with an angle. I'll give you the football first. In fact, I'll do even better than that. I'll bring Rob Daniels with all what's been going on. Over to you, Rob. Right then, Vince. Well, uh, midweek matches has been quite a lot on, um, as you know. But uh, we'll start off with the Champions League. Um, it's round 16 and it's two-leg matches. The uh, first match, well, on Tuesday, it was Copenhagen against Man City. Uh, Man City won it 3-1. And uh, Real Madrid against Leipzig. And Real Madrid didn't play particularly well, actually. They only managed to win 0-1, 0-1. But um, and they made hard work of it as well. They've got a lot of injury problems as Real Madrid at the moment. Then last night we had the Paris Saint Germain against Real Sociedad, which is my team in Spain. Real Sociedad lost two nil. Um, and then this is a surprise actually. Bayern Munich are not having a particularly good time at the moment. They were playing Lazio um, in Italy and they lost one nil. And they also had a player sent off. Next week we've got the. Um, the following um, teams, if you like, playing because they're doing it over two weeks at a time. So we've got uh, Inter against uh, Atletico Madrid, we've got PSV against Dortmund, and uh, it, it's good um, entertainment, if you like. In the Championship, uh, it's the <laughs> Leeds United, my team in England, my team for all my life, um, are now in second position, so they're in an automatic promotion position because they beat Swansea away from home 4-0, and they've won the last seven on the bounce, which uh, puts them in a really good position, but it's really competitive up there. And um, there's been a lot of matches, you say, Vince, uh, all all throughout the Championship, and it is really, really good, uh, entertaining stuff. Well, I've been watching it in particular, because, you know, obviously I follow your team for you, 
Um, and also I have my other friend Terry, who is a, a Southampton fan. Now, uh, both teams, Leeds and Southampton, uh, have got uh, great pedigrees and um, Leeds, obviously, more recently in mind uh, from the Premier League. But um, let's just hope that both of your teams come up um, and obviously we'll keep an eye on the uh, championship as that is the gateway to the Premier League. So now, yeah. uh, now we, we're going to City who went down. I think they went down the same time as Leeds. They are well ahead. Um, of 78 points and 32 matches, 78 points. It's only the top two that go up automatically, Vince. And then the third to the sixth place play playoffs, which is a really, it's a, just a lottery. And at the moment, Leeds are in second, Southampton in third, Ipswich, West Brom, Coventry. And um, so, yeah, the first two go up and it's going to be between, I would say at the moment, the way we're looking at it, hopefully it will be Leeds. But it might be Southampton. So if Southampton go up, um, good luck to your friend. OK. Well, now then, uh, we come to the interesting bit. Uh, some of the things that I find uh, are there for everybody. But it's just that basically not many people will be that bothered about what we're going to talk about until maybe I give you a few uh, pointers. OK, so when I saw that the English Football League is donating rainbow footballs to the LGBTQ plus friendly community football clubs as part of their commitment to promoting inclusivity and combating discrimination in football uh, by distributing these colourful footballs, they aim to achieve several important goals. We'll look at those in a minute. Uh, but let me just tell you that according to the census in the UK, uh, that's the official figures of those people who want to be included in these figures for this important uh, community. Uh, it is um, around about 4% maximum of the total census uh, for the gay community and the inclusive bit and all the other stuff, and especially uh, for the transgender, which is 0.03 of a percent. Now, that is of all the people in the country, in the British Isles, in the four countries, and we're talking about those percentages then being di diluted by those who would watch football anyway. We're talking about possibly... Uh, handfuls of people. Now, am I exaggerating, Rob, or have you suddenly developed friendships with thousands upon thousands of LGBTQ plus friends? Tell me, please. Put me in. Put me out of my agony. <laughs> I think I think everybody out of nervous is part of the uh, the LGBTQ plus community. No, to be honest. Um, I've got nothing against those kind of people. Um, they can do whatever they want, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I've only ever met a couple in, in the whole of my life, and I've met a lot of, a lot of people, as you know, through my work and things like that. And, um, no, they aren't very... Um, they're not people you meet every day. And um, they, they have their own communities, I imagine, and they are probably not particularly happy about being sort of promoted by um, these rainbow footballs because I think they, they prefer, a lot of them 
just prefer to keep things between themselves, don't they? Well, but, uh, they, they, they're getting so much publicity. Um, I, well, we'll have to try and find somebody within that community and ask them what they think. Well, look, I mean, the thing is, uh, as John, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, as Rob has just outlined, sorry about that, by the way, Freudian slip, I've just been talking to my son. Uh, as Rob's been outlining, nobody in their right mind would want to uh, create any problems or give any grief to anybody from any other type of group of people, uh, especially we remember those people in our prayers and thoughts who are suffering wars in Gaza and obviously Ukraine. But these people in general, um, I don't see them suddenly all wanted to go to football. So why is it all happening? According to what I'm reading, uh, this is on a particular website that is uh, pr promoting all this stuff. Um, visibility and representation The rainbow footballs serve as visible symbols of support For LGBTQ players, fans and allies within the football community When these balls are used in matches or training sessions They send a powerful message That everyone is welcome and respected Regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity. This is absolute nonsense. Um, you know, when the football hooligans kick off, uh, the last thing they'll be thinking about is coloured footballs. Um, and quite honestly, when the games kick off, again, very, very few, possibly 0.001%, maybe might be in this f a, a sort of awareness frame. So let's go to the second thing, awareness and education. By incorporating rainbow footballs into gameplay, the English Football League raises awareness about LGBTQ plus issues. Spectators, players and coaches see the rainbow colours on the field, sparking conversations and encouraging education about diversity, acceptance and equality. Uh, Rob, uh, do you see a rainbow football or if you see a rainbow football, what would be your first thought? Um, they're for kids to play with, I, I would think, like uh, game of beach football or something like that. Um, it certainly wouldn't um, make me think of any sort of serious issues at all. Um, I, I, I think this is complete nonsense, Vince. And I've seen them advertised actually uh, um, on the internet, and they do look quite colourful. But um, again, what I was saying previously is that people within that community, if they are interested in football, the last thing they're going to want to do is draw attention to themselves, isn't it? Because they're going to be then targets for the sort of people who are against what their way of life. And I, I don't. it just doesn't make any sense at all to me. Well, they, uh, go, they go on, Rob, to talk about challenging stereotypes. Number three, traditional football club uh, culture has not always been inclusive and stereotypes persist. The rainbow footballs challenge these norms and demonstrate that football is for everyone. They break down barriers and encourage a more open-minded and accepting environment. Totally right. Uh, that's what you should all do anyway, natural behaviour. But um, if you've got all the Leeds fans at one end and all the Millwall fans on the other end, they won't be looking for LBGBTQ colours. They'll be looking at the colours of the scarves and hurling abuse at the other football uh, supporters. That's a fact of life. I suppose anything that might challenge that might be useful, but this is nonsense. Solidarity. 
the act of donating <laughs> ra- rainbow football shows uh, solidarity with LGBTQ plus communities. It's a tangible way for the EFL to stand alongside those players and fans, emphasising that they are valued members of the football family. I've never heard such nonsense in my life. Would you uh, automatically see a rainbow football and say that shows our club is in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus brigade? No, it wouldn't. I'm sorry, these people are off their heads. Promoting safe spaces... So, by providing these footballs to LGBTQ plus friendly clubs, the English Football League contributes to creating safe and welcoming spaces where players can express themselves freely without fear of discrimination. There shouldn't be any discrimination there, and they usually, in most 99% of the situations that existed beforehand, it never, ever was a problem. Why are you creating the problem? That's what is annoying me. Rob, I better give, give it to you before I blow a fuse. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, this is just complacent sort of lunacy, isn't it, really? Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned the Leeds and Millwall uh, thing because my dad was a Millwall fan all his life. I've been a Leeds fan all my life. And uh, we had some right, uh, we, we didn't argue particularly, but we had some right uh, laughs about it when we played each other when we were both in the uh, second division, um, because Millwall only went up one season. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Um, why are they doing it? Um, we're promoting equality and all that kind of thing. They don't really need to. There's Rob- no need to get involved. Rob, there is a reason. Yeah, I can't it, Rob, there is a reason for this, by the way. Um, you, you know, you can um, detect probably a note of sarcasm. It's more annoyance yeah. that people are creating this problem. And uh, I just happened to be doing a podcast with Matt King about um, uh, other things, actually, uh, which, you, you know, obviously, if you're doing one set of things, um, then you, you reflect as you're looking at other things. And in Agenda 2030, they want people to live a life which affords them dignity and equality on a, on a peaceful planet. Yeah, OK, but I don't think this is particularly anything to do with that. It's another promotional tool being used by the LGBTQ plus to try and swell their numbers, in my opinion. I don't know why they seem to think that this is um, important, although I would say it could well be because there is a plan or has been for donkey's years to disrupt family life. And I think this is another part of it. Family. For most people, a family, mum and a dad and a couple of kids. Okay. I don't think we need to sort of go too deeply into this, but it is now impinging on football. They are trying to politicise football in an area which really does not exist. Over to you again, Rob. Well, that that's uh, what it is, isn't it, Vince? I mean... Um... It, but it's not just football, is it? It goes through the whole of um, every different kind of culture or everything that people are interested in. Um, they've got the same sort of influences, haven't they? I mean, this is not just a football problem. This is throughout the whole uh, society, I think. And you're probably right, actually. But is it the LGBT 
plus community that is promoting this, or is it people who've got interests in um, sort of promoting this who aren't actually involved? Um, I think if we can find somebody who is part of that community to um, speak about it from their own personal point of view, I think that would be very interesting. That it's not just a football problem, is it, Vince? It's something that is happening throughout the whole of uh, Western culture, at least. Well, you're absolutely right, you see. And the uh, podcast I was doing with Matt uh, King yesterday, nothing at all to do um, with uh, what we're talking about today. But we were looking at... Um, let me see, what was, the t- what was the title again? It was... I shall get it any second... Um, it, it just so is so annoying that these things are all interlinked and yet, you know, people can't see it. Uh, we were looking at the price of freedom. Now, isn't that strange, you see? So I went to Agenda 2030 where the United Nations have got every country to sign up. And if you go to everybody, you can go to their country's website and check whether I am telling you porky pies. But... The United Nations got them to uh, have the aim of ending poverty and enabling all people to live in dignity on a peaceful, healthy planet. That is the quote I picked up. Now, if that means disrupting football and bringing race issues where they don't really belong so that Britain have got you know, thousands waiting to get in. And when you go past hotels in Spain, you find lots and lots of young men all hanging around. They will be the people who obviously are interested in football. But I don't think they're all suddenly going to become LGBTQ. I don't think that for one minute. So, um, look, I better go to the next one because otherwise I'll blow a fuse. And uh, really, it's so disappointing that they're trying to do this because they are trying to ruin football. We've got somebody... They're doing a good, doing a good job, aren't they, Vince, as well? They, uh, it's not the same game as it used to be, is it? Well, absolutely. Um, let's go to a couple of nicer things and then uh, we'll go to Sven Goran Eriksson next. And Sven Goran Eriksson used to manage... Uh, England football club, uh, football team, and also, um, sadly, his um, health is going downhill at the moment. So, can you tell me what that is all about, please, Rob? Right, well, uh, Sven Goran Eriksson is a Swedish um, football manager, and he was the England football manager for a few years, and he didn't do too badly, did he? I think I don't know if he was the first foreign manager, but uh, I think he was. I think he probably was. However, he has been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and um, he's he's come out in, in public about it recently. That he's now going to be the new uh, Liverpool manager, which has been one of his dreams um, all his life. And when Klopp leaves at the end of the season, Sven Goran Eriksson is going to take over. And he's not going to, uh, he's not giving up. He'll do the best he can and uh, let's wish him all the best. Rob, Rob, just a second. Um, This is news to me. I thought what it was all about was that he was going to manage Liverpool uh, in a sense, which is obviously not um, to take the club over or anything like that. But he's going to be in the dugout 
when fans and former players, including Robbie Fowler, um, will be uh, around when LFC, the Liverpool Football Club, legends face Ajax, Ajax in a charity football match next month. That's what this is all about. Ah, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, he's not going to be the full-time <laughs> no, manager then. No, he's not taking over from Jurgen Klopp, not at all. No, but I thought Klopp, Klopp's leaving at the end of the season, though, isn't he? Yeah, so, but, but... Yeah, you you obviously more in, in, into Liverpool. Than yes. In the, in, so it's just the one match against Ajax. Is yes, it? it's it's just a lovely gesture by the club. Oh, right, that is a, that is a brilliant gesture then, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, it yeah. is. And when we're staying with the nicer sound of uh, side of football, I think yeah. uh, we we need to also talk about um, Wrexham Football Club because this is not the first time that the two owners, um, that's the Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKennery, uh, McKenney, I think his name is, uh, El Henny, uh, they, they um, have got uh, they got news of Aaron and Charlotte Perrin's son Louis. He was born with a genetic condition called Tuba 1A, which causes him to have painful leg spasms. Uh, this gives him limited mobility. It has uh, elements of epilepsy and cerebral palsy. So absolutely awful for the parents. Um, and then along comes Wrexham football owners, and they have given £10,000 as a donation uh, to adapt their home to suit young Louis' needs. Now, is that not a beautiful gesture from two lovely, lovely fellas who want to build community in the football club to expand it outwards and revive this wonderful story at Wrexham Football Club? I think that's marvellous. What do you think? No, I think these uh, two guys who've taken over Wrexham Football Club um, are putting a lot back into the community, aren't they? Uh, and these kind of gestures, uh, £10,000 to a family to uh, change their home so that it suits the needs of their uh, disabled child, which is a very unfortunate situation, um, it is a beautiful gesture. And um, I, yeah, I, I think that they're uh, putting some spirit back into uh, football like it should be, it should be part of the community, shouldn't it? And they are actually doing that. And they're both North Americans, um, which obviously there's some nice North American people, there's all sorts of people, but they're not actually from Wrexham. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're doing something really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it's just an absolutely lovely story. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, basically, I can only only say just how lovely that is and contrast that with the uh, chicanery and tomfoolery that the politicians are trying to promote now um, i don't know is it misguided because really for everybody to have a dignified world yeah i, I think that's a great aim but um sadly i think they've, un they've misunderstood the nature of football and the nature of football fans there's more than likely more people going to be irritated and annoyed by this than actually supportive, unless I've got it wrong. But um, we'll go to other aspects of irritating. And uh, Rob's going to bring us news of yet more nonsense coming from the pocket of the referee. Over to you, Rob. Tell us all about it. Um, a system that they're talking about introducing 
and it's called the blue card, um, which is going to be halfway between a yellow card and a red card. Um, and it, again, it's just something I think is nonsense. I heard about this a couple of weeks ago um, on a, a radio uh, program on Radio 5 Live, the uh, football program, and I thought it was a joke. Um, and so did the uh, people who were talking about it at the time. And it isn't a joke. Um, it's, they are intending to bring it in for people who insult the referee and things like that. And they're talking about this Simbin idea, which they uh, works in rugby, works in rugby league perfectly, but that's a lot more organised um, than football is. And um, it's, it's going to cause all sorts of problems if they actually bring it in. Um, because the referee is going to have to decide and the player might be sent off for 10 minutes to sit out the uh, Simbin 10 minutes, but how will the club be penalised and things like that? Uh, it's just making things more complicated, isn't it, Vince, than they should be. Um, and I thought it was a joke. Um, and I, I told you that when you mentioned this to me yesterday, that I, I didn't think it was actually... Uh, a serious issue, but it is going through and they are talking about it. And again, they're trying to put us off the real aspect of what's actually going on is that uh, the sport is being taken over by multinationals who are only interested in making money. And the rest of us are talking about blue cards, which if it, if it comes in, um, it's just going to make things even worse, isn't it? As far as um, spectators watching the sport go, we're not going to understand. Well, in, uh, in, in the article, Rob... Why, why it's a yellow or it's a blue? Well, in, in the article, the revolutionary move I'm reading would be the first new colour of card introduced into top-end football since red and yellow cards were adopted. I mean, they've got this nonsensical white card, which they're, uh, they're already using to show good spirit and all this sort of stuff. I mean, um, uh, I put, they're talking about trials uh, are not con conducted during top-tier matches, uh, though FA Cup and women's FA Cup games could be used for testing next year. You see, the women's game is impinging. Why is it impinging? For those people that don't follow the politics, America's game, the women's game, is at the top end of American sports. The men's game doesn't really do very well, despite the fact that uh, you've got people like David Beckham and, uh, you know, his, his problems with bringing Messi on the field or not playing him last week, we were discussing. Um, it's the Americans again, this interfering. And we see now that the men's Premier League has to be obtained on channels which are giving us either um, Arabic advertising or American advertising. I'm sick and tired of watching a football match and hearing some, um, uh, uh, you know, sort of aspect of American culture, which I don't like. Having been to the country, I like the people, but I don't like all the marketing. The marketing kills everything. I mean, you know, you, you don't pass wind, but somebody is going to uh, offer you a, a product to sort of cure you or whatever, you know. And I think the trouble being that now what we've spotted, of course, is that the Women's Premier League, Women's Premier League, is on Sky TV. And very often you see an advert for, you know, Chelsea versus Arsenal. And you think, oh, hang on, that shouldn't be on. Uh, and then you realise it's the women's game. And then when you watch the women's game, they're not as exciting as the championship games. 
So don't give me this nonsense making me make my decision whether or not I have a mind or not. I know what football is. Rob knows what football is. And I'm afraid a lot of our, um, our you know, a lot of our listeners obviously are struggling. Uh, you give me your comments on that one. Well, um, it, that is the way that things are going, isn't it, Vince? I mean, uh, and people in Spain, as you know, um, I've lived here for a long time and a lot of my friends are really into football um, because that's what we're into. And they all think the same kind of thing is they're trying to make it so that it's like the American version of, uh, of sport, which takes up the whole of the day um, which is probably a great spectacle if you're in America and you go to watch one of these things. But if you're watching it on, uh, like we do, on a generally on a TV screen, or you get a chance to go to see a match, um, it needs to be played over 90 minutes, doesn't it? I mean, that's the, that's the whole idea of the game. Um, now they're expanding it so they've got extra time added on and you don't know why, and you don't know why referees are making decisions. And that is what they're aiming for, I think, is that they're going to have advert breaks in the middle of the middle of the first half when something happens, maybe, with cheerleaders and advertising Coca-Cola and McDonald's or whatever they might advertise. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not doing anything for the sport, I don't think, but that is the way that things are going. And... Uh, well, we, we can talk about it, and lots of people are talking about it. So uh, we're not the only people who see it that way, Vince. Well, look, I mean, when we go back to when we were um, beginning to watch football and everything, um, you know, we come from times, I mean, you, you know, you, you would have had Leeds United, uh, Giles and Bremner, uh, Liverpool, my club would have had people like Tommy Smith and later Mascherano, and they'd come bombing in and they'd give you a tackle. I mean, they were leg breakers at times, but... Um, you know, football was, I'm sorry about this, those that are listening in and think that I'm against any particular group of people. I'm not. But football is basically a man's game and we've now got women playing it. OK, so women can play it, not a problem. But when we talk about something being a man's game, you can see how the game is changing by the cheating that's going on at the premier level. People coming from other cultures who are coming into the Premier League, and we had this before, by the way, when the Italians started coming over. Um, I mean, basically, you'd only have to sneeze anywhere near the opponent and they'd fall over. How many times do you see somebody running and their arm will go back as natural movement with somebody chasing them and somebody will go down poleaxed as if they've just um, received Muhammad Ali's best shot ever? I mean, seriously... It's now getting to a nonsense ch uh, stage. And I think, unfortunately, um, I'm reading a little bit further about the blue card. And there is such an organisation now calling itself the International Football Association Board. And it is in Zurich. And it dates back to 1896. And so the F uh, IFAB's Board of Directors includes the chief executive of the four British football associations, Mark Bullingham of the English, Noel Mooney of Wales, Patrick Nelson for Northern Ireland, and Ian Maxwell for Scotland. And it shows you the significant power of UK football chiefs. Now, I think what's happened, 
because I'm very, very uh, aware of political things, I think these people all aligned to the United Nations Agenda 2030 have been looking to see who are the chief uh, movers and shakers in football. Let's get to them and bring nonsense in through them. That's what my suspicion is, Rob. Tell me I'm a nutcase and I'll go on to something else. <laughs> I don't think you're in case for it at all, but uh, um, some people might do, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. But, uh, yeah, they, they I've never heard of any of these people, actually, um, prior to them becoming where they are now. They're not, like, well-known ex-players or anything. Um, so, yeah, they, they're obviously just people who are in a political situation to become chiefs of their... Um, individual countries if you like throughout the uh, United Kingdom and it's yeah just creating more problems where they're not necessary as far as I'm concerned they're not Rob I can hear a little dog barking is that somewhere near you uh, yeah, it's in the park out the back. There's not much I can do about it. Well, I was going to say, uh, if you can dangle your leg over the, out of the window and give it a little um, kick up its backside, that would help the podcast. But never mind. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's making a right yapping sound. Isn't okay, it? Rob. But, uh, it's not, it's not rocker. It makes a growling. Sound. Yeah, I know. There's a difference. Well, there's the difference between what's happening with the uh, particular community we're talking about and. Uh, a Billy Bremner tackle or something like that. Let's go to La Liga. Yeah, and uh, Tommy Smith, as uh, you said, Liverpool, he went in really hard, didn't he? Oh. And we had the please, we had La Norman bite legs. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a hard game back then. Rob, <laughs> here's your jingle. You just talked over your own jingle. Hang on, here it comes. Oh, sorry. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. So over to our football expert for Spain, and it's Rob Daniels. On you go, Rob. Yeah, thanks, Vince. Um, well, La Liga is continuing um, at the moment. They've played just they've played twenty four matches, all of them, and um, Real Madrid are at the top. They played Girona, which is the smaller team, which has been um, at the top, and they're still second position. But they played each other at the weekend. And Real Madrid won quite easily, I would say, even with all their injury problems, they won 4-0. So uh, Real Madrid looking really, really uh, top favourites to win it. Barcelona in third. Atletico Madrid have had a couple of bad results. Um, they're in fourth. Um, and then we go down the list. And Valencia are not doing too badly this season. Valencia are in ninth position. They are not likely to get into a European place, except it might be the... That dogs. He he deserves yeah, a book. Yeah, He's, away, isn't it? Listen, if it was anywhere yeah. near, near me, I'd be getting a bucket of water and throwing it over it, you know. And I'm sorry for those people yeah, that are. Can't, I can't I, I can't reach it from here though because there's, there's a park out the back, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's somewhere up there with it. I don't know what it's doing. Um, anyway, um, let's try and ignore it. Um, but in the bottom end of the table, we've got the three clubs from uh, Andalusia. Almeria in bottom position, 24 matches, seven points. They might go down with the lowest point score ever. That's what they're <laughs> kicking off now. And uh, then we've got Granada in the 19th position and Cadiz in the, se- in the 18th position. And uh, it looks like the three Andalusian teams, the Real Andalusian teams in the, in the Liga, 
But it looks like those three are more or less sentenced because they're well adrift to everybody else. Mm. Uh, it does seem that once you get an area where your football teams don't do too well, uh, that you um, it seems to be contagious. I mean, you've got Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield United uh, in different leagues, but they're both languishing at the football and uh, the the bad end of the football leagues. Um, OK, well, look, uh, what we do next, we'll have a look at the Premier um, games that were played over the weekend. And we'll start off, I think the first game was Aston Villa played Manchester United. Um, if it is, we both thought there was a draw on the cards. As it was, Manchester United are beginning to look more like a football team. Uh, I, I, I should have to say this, um, but, you know, if they'd have had all the points in the bag, they'd be looking like somebody that I'd expect to see in the um, Champions League next year because... The, the Spanish lad is playing well, isn't he? Etc. Anyway, over to you. Yes, now Manchester United, um, they do seem to be coming round, don't they now? Um, I think it's possibly because of all the... Uh, they've got some really bad publicity because they've been playing really, really badly. Um, and they, they do eventually seem to be turning into a team I didn't think they'd beat uh, Aston Villa, actually. Uh, I think we both said it was a draw. And uh, Man United actually won it. And it wasn't a... They deserved to win it, I would say, as well. Um, Scott McTominay got the winner. And um, I, I'm, I'm not a Man United fan, as you know, Vince, but the way they're playing at the moment... Um, well, I, they, they are getting the points. They, they, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, I hope they don't get a Champions League place next year. But, um, yeah, you've got to admire the way they're playing at the moment. OK, uh, right, the next one then we'll go... Look, I'll tell you what, we'll do the um, the game that was played, I think, on Monday night uh, when Crystal Palace played Chelsea. Uh, and I put Chelsea down for a win here. Uh, you thought Palace would defeat Chelsea. So um, it was actually uh, Crystal Palace nil, Chelsea 2 Give us your thoughts on that game. It was Crystal Palace 1, Chelsea 3. I uh, beg your pardon. Exactly right. You're right. I, I looked at it at a different time. You're absolutely right. Yeah, the, and the, the actual goals, uh, the winning goals, came in in uh, the time added on. It was one all until the 90 minutes. And then uh, Conor Gallagher got one in, in 90 plus 1. And Enzo Fernandez got 90 plus 4 to actually finish it off. Um, I thought that uh, Chelsea were going to fall apart, to be honest. That's why I put it down for Crystal Palace. But, um, yeah, both goals, the, the winning goals came in right at the bitter end. And that, I think, is where um, teams are, are, are looking now. The ones who can get the goals in in the final minutes, where after the 90 minutes, are the ones that are going to... Uh, get the points, but uh, Chelsea, well, they've got nothing going on in Europe, have they, let's face it, so they've only got the the Premier League to to contend with, and I don't think they're going to get a European place this season either. Okay. uh, That's my opinion. 
no, no. Listen, that's why that's why we talk football. It's yeah. uh, it's yeah, important. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they flatter to deceive, but when you look at all the money situations that's been going on, I think the Roman Abramovich uh, thing and uh, giving the club away and Burley coming in as an American reeked. Absolutely reeked of politics. You know, if it had gone uh, to an Arab or an American, I was never going to be surprised. Why didn't we get an English manager? Because they were, uh, people were bidding for it. But anyway. Um, yeah, those two brothers, weren't there, who were Chelsea fans all their lives, who were self made millionaires yeah. through the clothing business. And they weren't given an opportunity, were they? We Abs- talked about it at the time. Absolutely. It was, yeah, it was, yeah it, was all, it was a done deal. It, it was all there for, for people to see. Now, we go next to uh, Fulham at home to Bournemouth. Bournemouth had been playing well. Um, and in actual fact, we both put it down for a Fulham win. I'd seen some great games with Fulham playing. I thought they look a tidy little outfit. But then again, Bournemouth looked pretty good as well. And it, it ended up um, Fulham 3, Bournemouth 1. Uh, then we'll go to Anfield because Liverpool were playing Burnley. Now, uh, I knew that there was the likelihood this would be sort of a business-like performance because, you know, uh, it must be quite difficult as a manager to, um, you know, really motivate your teams to play well against the teams that are languishing. But then again, you see, I like Vincent Company. I felt that uh, Burnley aren't that bad a team, uh, but I thought that realistically uh, that we should win. Um, I, I put it down as a 2-1, but you've got the score absolutely... Oh, no, 2-0 and 1-0. That, we, that was where we got that one, wasn't it? Uh, no, 3-0 you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and I thought it would be 2-0, so 3-1. I thought the Burnley goal was a good goal, the header... Uh, from the big de- big defender. That was a great goal. Um, I thought that Diaz putting us ahead at 2-1 was a strange goal. And uh, basically, I don't think it was offside, but it was a weird sort of goal. But I think all in all, uh, with all the problems that um, Liverpool have had, um, you know, with uh, injuries and things like that, um, then I, pff, it was a win. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Well, apart from the fact that um, Vincent Company, he he should be able to get his defence in order, um, but he can't do so. I don't know why, um, because he that's his specialist, isn't he? He's a specialist defender. But um, I think uh, Liverpool deserve to win, and Burnley, I think, have got one foot in the uh, Championship already involved. Okay. Well, Rob, there hinting at the fact that. Um, uh, Vincent Company is actually a limited company, but uh, we'll move on uh, as we look next at Luton and uh, 2-0 and 1-0 we thought would be Luton versus Sheffield. So well done, Sheffield won 3-1. I was pleased to see that. Um, I've got nothing against Luton, by the way, but I just thought that, you know, at the bottom club, uh, everybody gives them a verbal kicking. And realistically, I didn't think they were a bad team. I've seen them play a couple of times. I think they're quite good. Uh, It's not a bad team, that's for sure. Um, uh, Thoughts on that one, Rob? Well, um, I I, I was pleased, actually, uh, to see Sheffield United win. It's probably the first time this season that I've actually gone against them because uh, it's a team that I um, am quite fond of. Um, Luton, I think they deserve their place in the uh, Premier League and I think, hopefully, they'll stay up. But Sheffield United, 
Um, at least they managed to get a win. I think this is the first win they've had away from home in the whole season. And, um, yeah, it will give them a bit of a boost. And they do play well. Um, they, they, they are more entertaining to watch than uh, a lot of other clubs. Let's put it that way. OK. Uh, Man City against Everton. Uh, I thought Everton put a great show on, actually, because uh, I thought they'd get beaten about 4-1. You thought 3-1. As it was, they restricted Man City to 2-0. Uh, Haaland, of course, everybody whooping about how wonderful he is. Uh, but it, a million pounds, come on, for a week. This is nonsense, nonsensical. And that's why uh, young lads maybe are all growing up wanting to be footballers when that sort of money's around. Uh, but anyway, uh, well done to uh, Man City. They uh, picked up where they left off. Uh, Haaland back, De Bruyne back. They looked imperious. And I thought Everton really did put a, uh, put a good display against them. Uh, but let's go to the next game. Where I'll I... tell you, I, I, I really like actually when he plays well. He's Phil Foden, Vince. Yeah. Um, yeah, he played really, really well in the Champions League match the other night. Yeah. Um, OK, uh, Forrest were playing uh, Newcastle and um, we both thought it would be uh, a difficult game. You thought they'd be a draw. I thought Newcastle would win 2-1. It was actually 2-3. So Forrest 2, Newcastle 3. Newcastle had to work for that one, didn't they? Oh, they did, Vince. I mean, Newcastle had having a... The, the easiest season, let's face it, and Forest at home. Um, they dig in as, as deep as they can. And, um, yeah, the, uh, Newcastle did have to work for it. They managed to get it at the end. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it was a good match, actually. It was a good, hard, traditional football match, I would say. Yeah. I watched Spurs playing Brighton. Um, I predicted a 2-2, and that was what the game ended up as. You thought Spurs would win 2-1. Uh, I don't think Spurs are convincing because Brighton really could have won that game. Um, it was only sort of a late-on equaliser. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, I still think Brighton are a tidy team and Spurs struggled a bit. Uh, but it was good to see Son back, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, again, this, this match, Vince, it was one all at the end of uh, 90 minutes. And the winning goal came in 90 plus six. Um, so that is the tactic, I would say, at the moment. A team such as Spurs, who are not convincing at all, really, but is to get try and get the winning goal of the, the goals to get the draw or whatever in the time added on after the 90 minutes. And it seems to work for a lot of teams, and that's what Spurs' tactics were. Yeah. OK, um, I confused the issue a bit because I said it was a draw. It was, of course, uh, Spurs just about shaded it 2-1. Sorry about that. Yeah, now, I, I got that one spot on, actually. You yes. did. Well, well done. Um, now, look, the performance of the week, it grieves me to say, was Arsenal. They made West Ham, who were not a bad team, they made them look absolutely inept. They um, they were imperious. Their football was scintillating. The movement off the ball was good. Uh, Saka, uh, for once, fulfilled his promise. He's very hit and miss at times. 
Uh, but he's a great player. There's no two ways about it. And uh, whatever you like or dislike about Arteta and Arsenal, they looked brilliant. I thought that they were a joy to behold. And uh, as a Liverpool fan, I think, um, you know, I do try to follow the traditions of our football club in which we like football and we're not prejudiced against teams just because we would prefer our team to win. But uh, I thought it was a great display. Well done, Arsenal. What did you think? Uh, I think it was a fantastic display of football, Vince. And uh, West Ham, they did look, they, they were humiliated, basically, which, again, if they'd have got the goal of honour, um, if anyone doesn't know the result, this was West Ham nil, Arsenal six. And it was a London derby, and Arsenal basically just um, wiped them out completely. And uh, I was expecting West Ham to actually do a lot better in that match because they're playing at home, London derby. Um, but yeah, Arsenal put on an absolutely excellent display of football. It was very, very entertaining. And um, yeah, they're serious challenges, aren't they, for the uh, oh, league this season? Absolutely. I mean, it'll be a joy to watch them playing. Uh, Man City, that will be the sort of game that, if it's a European game, would be absolutely brilliant to watch. But anyway, we both expected yeah. Wolves to beat Brentford. Brentford are one of those teams that can create a lot of problems. Uh, they really are not the easiest team to beat. Um, but uh, let's go to um, the predictions now for the week ahead. So, with Brentford buoyant... Uh, Liverpool are the visitors. Uh, give us your thoughts on the outcome of that game, please, Rob. Right now, this is the uh, Saturday Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Vince Brentford against Liverpool. It's match twenty-five out of thirty-eight. I can see this being a draw, actually, Vince, because Brentford at home they can be quite tricky. Um, Liverpool are going very well, but uh, Brentford are. They're going to try and stop them. I can see this being a 2-2 win. OK, well, I've actually put down 2-2 myself. Uh, it does depend, really, on... Uh, you know, I mean, Liverpool have got all sorts of problems with the squad at the moment. Um, Alexander arnolds going to miss the Carabao Cup because he's got a recurrence of a knee injury. Um, they, they've got the young lad back... Uh, uh, Connor Bradley, whose dad had died, and uh, you've got you know various people coming back after injury, other people going out with injury. So um, it does really depend who'll be there on the day. I think that'll be a difficult game for Liverpool. We've both agreed two-two. Let's have a look at Burnley now. Uh, sadly for them, you dear, who've they got next? Um, they've just had Liverpool. Who's who's coming up to see them in the frozen wastes? It's Arsenal. Give us your prediction, please. Right. Now, after Arsenal's result against West Ham, which we just spoke about, um, playing Burnley away, um, I, I can't see... I think Burnley are going to try and do this, but I can't see them because they just look like they're, they're rubbish, I would say, uh, personally. To be in the Premier League, let's face it, uh, they, they're not up for it. And I think Arsenal... Will not humiliate them like they against West Ham, but I think Arsenal will do this. I think they'll do it 1 3. Okay, well, look, I'm not as scathing as you are regarding Burnley. I think they're a team of young lads. 
Uh, I think Vincent Company is on a project there. I think that uh, maybe they'll be one of these uh, boomerang clubs. I think maybe they'll go down this year and come back up straight away. Uh, but uh, on this particular fixture, I've got to say, I think it will be three goals for Arsenal. I don't think um, that uh, Burnley will score. But if they deliver the corner that they delivered against Liverpool, then the lad who scored the goal is a great player and good with his head. So don't be surprised if you've got the one goal there. I'm not going to be surprised if you're right with the scoreline as we go to Goodison Park, where um, Crystal Palace are the visitors. Everton need the points. From what I saw at the weekend, I thought Everton did look a reasonably good team still. Crystal Palace, they are having problems. Uh, Roy Hodgson's magic seems to have been uh, weakened or he's finding it difficult. Uh, That doesn't mean to say that he suddenly becomes a bad manager, but you do wonder why these teams uh, suddenly go into decline. Your thoughts on that one? Yes, and and before we actually go into that one, Vince, I'd apologise to anybody who's a Burnley fan. Um, because I've got a young team and I do like uh, Vincent Company as a manager. However, um, I can't see them. I can see them going down and maybe bouncing back. On this one, Everton against Palace. Everton are going to dig in. They need the points. And I think all the neutrals want Everton to stay up because of the point deduction that they got, which I think was very unfair. Yeah. Roy Hodgson doesn't seem to be uh, working his magic at Crystal Palace. I can see this being 3-1 to Everton, Vince. OK, well, I'm only going for one goal to nil because they do seem to fire, uh, or misfire, should I say, up front. Um, but a very nice bit of backpedalling by Rob there as his castigation of Burnley was mitigated and uh, he thinks that they're not a bad team after all. Well done, Rob. That was great bit of backpedalling as we go to Fulham's <laughs> ground. <laughs> is it still Craven Cottage? I think it is. Um, but they won't be uh, Craven who's coming to visit them. It's Aston Villa. Aston Villa will be smarting after Manchester United's visit. So give us your prediction. Fulham versus Villa. I think this should be a good match, Vince, actually. Um, Villa are slightly off the boil at the moment after a really, really good start. And they will be smarting for uh, to get revenge. Um, Fulham also will be um, out for getting their own points and everything. I can see this being a draw, I can see this being a, another 2-2, two, two, actually. OK, well, I put down 2-1 to uh, Fulham. Uh, because uh, when they get the Emery paper showing you the list of the um, players playing, I mean, they look great on paper. Maybe it's just the Emery paper, but they do look good. Um, And then they'd flatter to deceive. I mean, I've got a a friend who's a big, big Aston Villa fan, and he's frustrated by them all the time as we go to Luton next. Now, I've enjoyed watching Luton. They are a, a nice little outfit to watch. The visitors are the rejuvenated Manchester United showing a bit of form. Do they uh, show it on the road? We'll wait and see. What do you think of this one? I think Luton, uh, playing at home, they've got a very unusual ground, which we've spoken about already, which you have to go through a tunnel, which is a a row of houses. You have to go through a tunnel to get to uh, the the actual ground. Um, They're a very proud club, and I think, Man United are rejuvenated, but I don't think they'll get a win. 
I think this will be a one-all draw, Vince. OK, well, I think it'll be Luton nil, Manchester United 2. Uh, we've only got five minutes left. We've got five games to get through. Man City against Chelsea. I think this will be 3-0. What do you think will happen? I think uh, City will win this as well, Vince. But I haven't got it down as a 3 0. I've got, actually got it down as a 3 1. OK, fair enough. Um, uh, Conor Gallagher probably to score the goal as we go to uh, Newcastle. Now, Bournemouth, they've got a lovely trip up, so they'll all be wearing their black tights, get their gloves. Probably they'll be looking forward for the um, rainbow footballs. Uh, when they get to the northeast of England, they will need those gloves and scarves and everything else because it'll be cold. Newcastle against Bournemouth, give us the feelings on that one. Well, um, yeah, I think you've just uh, summed it up there, Vince. It's uh, playing played at uh, St James's Park, um, Bournemouth, coming all the way from the south coast. Uh, with the rainbow colour footballs. I can't see them getting away with it. I think uh, Newcastle will do this. I think they'll do it 3-0. OK, well, I'm going for a 2-2 draw. Dominic Solanke will have a good game uh, as we go next to Nottingham Forest. Now, B-League at West Ham, 6-0 they lost at the weekend, are playing a rejuvenated Forest who have got almost like an archbishop in charge of the team these days. Um, if you look at the name of the uh, trainer, you'll see what I mean. Uh, give us your thoughts on Forest versus West Aim. Well, if West Ham have fallen apart completely, like the weekend uh, against Arsenal, and Forest are playing at home, and they, they need the points as well, the Forest, because they're not in a safe position. I can see Forest actually doing this. Um, I think they'll do it 2-0, Vince. OK, 2-1 for me, so we're on the same hymn sheet on that one. Uh -huh. Now, Sheffield United showing true uh, Yorkshire grit. Uh, they'll be at the Tetley tea bags. They'll all be waiting to uh, really put a couple of goals past Brighton. Uh, but will they win? Well, let's see what Rob thinks. He's a Yorkshire man. What do you reckon? That, that was a very good South Yorkshire accent you did there, Vince, actually. I've got an <laughs> East Yorkshire accent myself. But, <laughs> <Right>. uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Tetley tea bag, man, and everything. But I can't see Brighton um, getting any points here because Sheffield United, they're going to go down, I would say, without a shadow of a doubt. But they're playing at home. They've just had a win. They're going to want to put a good show on for the crowd. And I can see Sheffield United doing this 3-1. OK, uh, I think it will be 2-2 and I can hear the manager just before the team go out as they do on the advert, do it for Yorkshire! As we come to, <laughs> as we do our, our last prediction, uh, it's Spurs at home to Wolves. Now, Spurs struggled in their last game, but Wolves aren't really showing what... Well, they're, they're up and down all the time, but then again, they've got to sleep, Wolves sleep, and then they spring back to life, and maybe it could be one of their lively days. Give us your thoughts on that one. This is a really difficult one, isn't it, Vince? Because Spurs are not convincing and as you say Wolves are up and down all the time I think Spurs will get this though because they're playing at home and uh, I, I, I think that Spurs will do this 2-1 Well isn't that strange because they're exactly the same score that I've given uh, so uh, that means that we're on the same page with that one. Um, right Rob we've covered a lot of ground I would hate anybody to think I've got any Anything against any LGBTQ plus anything like that, 
It's just that we're getting sick and tired of politicians and people who are trying to make things what they would prefer to be. Sorry, it's a man's game, football. It is one of those games that my traditions are much stronger than your um, activities at the United Nations. Rob, um, your final minute, please. Well, Vince, uh, yeah, we've got through a lot, haven't we, today? And uh, just out of interest for any listeners who might be interested, the Rugby League season uh, kicks off tonight, and uh, it's Hull KR against Hull FC, which are two local teams for me, uh, where I actually come from in England, and um, they, they've got the system worked out, referees and everything, it works a lot better than football. Aye, and don't forget, that's a man's game as well. Uh, don't forget. Well, you know, we both played rugby as well as football. Uh, they're making football absolutely stupid with the VAR and some of the things like the blue cards we've been discussing today. Rob, thank you for your company. Look forward to next week. My pleasure, always, Vince.